Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now, where guests receive guest certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. You can text us at 780-496-0063. The Hacksaw says, Bobby, will nurse, uh, will Sonny Darnell nurse to more than four years prove too much for too long when Bouchard and Broberg come off their ELCs? With luck, they're top pairing capable, like the Avs uh, when they have Byron coming off his ELC. Well, sorry, is Bowen Byron a, a top pairing guy? Is he even established as a full-time NHL player yet? Um... I would say this. Uh, I think that it, if, if it's me, I'm signing Darnell Nurse to an eight-year deal if I can get him on that term. I think the it, it would be beneficial uh, in terms of buy-in factor with some other critical players. But what do I know? Uh, and I have I think Bouchard's got a high offensive ceiling, and I believe Broberg will be a top four D man. I think Bouchard's got a chance to be a two. Let's bring aboard Louis DeBrusque. He is our headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk. W I L H A U K today. Louis, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bob. How you doing? And I just kind of overheard that little conversation you're having there too. And the, the other thing that really is the most important aspect of that is that Darnell is a unrestricted free agent and both Bouchard and Broberg will be restricted free yes. agents when they come up for that next contract. So there's obviously leverage there from the organization's point of view to be able to still be able to control that contract to a certain degree. And listen, if those two young players are pushing that hard to get good contracts, that's a good thing. That's a great thing. So I agree with you. I think you have to lock up the guy that you know is established and what he can do. And if other players play up and push from, from underneath, that's always what you want from from a team's perspective. So that, that, that really does play a big factor in it, though, the fact that he will be unrestricted and you have to lock those guys up. Yeah, well, it's interesting, Louis. Like, Darnell took two bridge deals, a three- and a two-year deal. Next year's the second of the two-year deal. Then he goes totally into free agency. So we have people, I'll just sign him to a four-year deal. I'm like, well, wait a sec now here. Just just, just hold on a second here. Uh 
you signed him to a four-year deal, and you're running him into the time that both uh, Leon Dreisaitl Connor. and Connor are done. Why? If you sign him longer, you have him committed, then he's part of the, like, you know, it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms of, and we know that these guys are all working together. You know this, Louie. Uh, in terms of selling other players, uh, we've also been led to believe that Duncan Keith has been part of that equation on the opportunity that's here in Edmonton over the next few seasons. Absolutely. They're the ones that get it the most. They understand the position they're in. Uh, they look down the road and they say, where are we going to be in four years and three and two? Uh, what can we put together and how long can we play together? Because they understand more than anybody, there's only so much of the pie to go around and obviously the top players are going to get the biggest portions of that pie. And then you have to try and fill in where you can for the rest of it to build a team and, and try and build a winning team. So yeah, they're very aware of that. And I think obviously um, from management's point of view, they're aware of that. They understand when contracts are expiring, what's coming up down the road. But again, you know, to be able to lock up a guy like nurse, uh, a number one defenseman, uh, to me, it's it's a no-brainer, and I hope they can get a deal done because you know that's that, that's usually the most difficult thing to do is to you know take a player and eat up some of those unrestricted free agency years. And we've seen what happens when players like an Adam Larson get to unrestricted free agency; they have a decision to make. And obviously, he made the decision to go to Seattle, but that's you know the risk you take when you allow a player to get to that point. Uh, they can always say, "Well, listen, we're going to try somewhere else and not resign." And it happens quite a bit. Louis, let me ask you this. It's my belief that we actually have some non-believers in Darnell Nurse in this market. They don't want to give him credit for how far his game has progressed. When you, hey, we finally got out into situations where we saw people again. But when you run around town and people recognize you and you have conversations about Darnell Nurse, do you think people give the guy enough credit for how good of a player he actually is? I, see, I get the sense myself that people are, are coming around, you know, are coming around rightfully so. And it's amazing. You and I have talked about this before. When a player has been around for years like Darnell has, you you start to pick apart the things they don't necessarily do well instead of looking at the things that they do very well. And that's just human nature, I think. I think, you, you know, the, the losses, the mistakes, they're more glaring than the great wins and the terrific plays. It's it's just human nature for some reason. That's just the way it is. But, you know, for Darnell, I think just the way he's gone to work, the way he's come into camp every single year in excellent condition and just continue to improve and work on his game. And you know what? Listen, that was a hefty load that he, that he had to lift this year throughout the season with Oster Clefbaum gone. Oster Clefbaum did a lot of things for this team and was probably for – you know, years, the most consistent overall defenseman on the team. Well, Darnell had to slip in, and he knew that was going to happen. That was the, that was the, a real test for him in the offseason, knowing coming in that Oscar wasn't going to be there. He was going to have to fill some more minutes, and that's exactly what he did. Given the opportunity, he stepped in there and, and made great on that. So this year will be, be very crucial for him as well. But I, I just think it's the evolution of a defenseman. You know, you go through a lot of different stages as a young defenseman coming into the game, trying to play at this pace, trying to be physical at this pace, at the same time not taking penalties and being undisciplined, not being over-aggressive and allowing skilled players to, you know, exploit you because of that. That's something Darnell's had to work on throughout his career. And you just get into a mode where you just learn how to manage your game. And I think that was the biggest step forward that Darnell Nurse used. And we could see that. Like, in the minutes that he was playing – 
Uh, he was able to manage that. And I think Duncan Keith will help him with that, too. I think that Duncan Keith is a player that's done that his whole career, has always been a big minute man. And, you know, now you have a couple of guys there that can easily take those minutes on. Um, but it's, it's about managing. It's about playing at the right pace at the right time, not over um, um, staying your welcome on the ice and getting caught out there for two, three, four minutes at a time where you're really depleted and that just catches up to you later in the game. That's what every veteran defenseman has to learn. And I think Darnell's figured that out. He's always been a guy that's prided himself on being strong and in excellent condition, and he needs that with the way he plays. We're joined by Louis DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 1240 at Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. All right, Louis. Uh, what a week. The last couple days down yeah. in Red Deer for the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament. Tonight, the toast of the town uh, involving Kevin Lowe, Rod McLean, and Brian Burke in for both events. Uh, some big personalities and a whole lot of fun. How'd you find your experience down in Red Deer? Oh, I thought it was terrific. I, I was It was really in, impressive to see, number one, the organization of the event. It was one of the best, if not the best event I've ever been to. Um, you know, just right from the start to the finish you could tell it was just so well thought out and planned and organized and so many people jumping on board to volunteer to help uh you know what i'm saying there was just so many different people from different walks that that jumped in there and were on board for a you know a great cause and uh you know what, uh, anytime you're dealing with children and abused children and, you know, trying to make them as comfortable as possible and learn how to, you know, help them along the way, um, I think it's dear to everybody's heart. And you could tell that. You could tell that everybody that was there understood why we were there. Uh, people, you know, brought their wallets. They brought their time. And, you know, what? it was a terrific event. It was amazing to see not only the, the Oilers that showed up. I saw a lot of guys I haven't seen in a long time, especially with the pandemic. It was nice to actually be in the same room with people and talk to people. But the Flames that came out, too, I mean, it was, it's so interesting for you, Bob, and I'm sure for you, too. Listen, I played in the Battle of Alberta for six years, and, you know, I had my wars. You know, Tim Hunter was there. I talked with him at length, a great guy. Ronnie Stern is a guy I had a couple of real good wars with. And, you know, he just was one of those guys that I kind of smile when I see him because he was the biggest guy but like it or not you're gonna get hit in the fight because he was swinging for the fences and he was just oh, yeah. one of those guys that you know came in just like a tasmanian devil right but we had a couple good chuckles about that but i like to watch the older guys too the guys that were before me the guys that were veteran players when i first came in the league and you know those legendary battles in the playoffs the battle of alberta and i would just see the way that they kind of would speak to one another and it's funny they walk into a room and you know, all those blood, sweat, and tears that were shed in those battles, and now it's a big smile, like, wow, can you believe we lived through that? You could really feel the respect between the players, and I think it's awesome. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still the Calgary-Edmonton Calgary rivalry, and we played against each other in teams, and Mike Vernon's team kicked our butt on the on the course. We, we stuck in there pretty well, and they were the top team in the tournament, but we hung in there for the first 13, 14 holes. But just a terrific tournament. Um, just an amazing event, and uh, I think that everybody that uh, jumped on board did a terrific job. Yeah, Ronnie Stern, he could swing with that left, eh? He had a... Oh, well, he, you know, it's funny, because I went around, because for my team, they, they ended up getting a surfboard as one of the sponsors, and, you know, I said, you should get some guys to sign this. And, you know, guys are sometimes nervous to go up and ask people for autographs and this, and I said, listen, give me the surfboard. I'll run around and grab some guys that I can see in the, in, in the area, just get them to sign the, the board for you. And... Uh, Ronnie Stern signed with his left, and I just shook my head and said, I knew you were a lefty. I knew you were a lefty, you know, because every single time that left was coming hard. But he could throw both, though. He was he was good with equally as good with both, but 
I knew that the uh, the left had a little steam on it, and now I know why, because he wrote with the left hand. Something that probably should have taken note of, you know, 30 years ago would have helped me a little bit more then. Oh, it's just, it's crazy when you think about it. And even, you know, to, to be on the periphery of it now and just to observe and watch, you know, had a good conversation with Chris Joseph yesterday. And I, I saw, yeah. you know, I saw Kevin McClellan, and I didn't know... Uh, Kevin's story. I, I thought he was still coaching down in the States. I didn't realize he was up in Lac La Biche. And, uh, you know, and, and th- there was a guy, Kevin uh, Lowe, did uh, a panel last night that uh, that I was fortunate enough to be a part of and uh, talked about the fact that he felt pound for pound Kevin McClellan was the best fighter in the NHL. And it's funny, when, when we bring up, or the toughest guy, he said the toughest guy in the NHL, and when we bring up Kevin McClellan on this show, and people can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line, there are a lot of guys in their and gals in their 40s and 50s, and they love Kevin McClellan. He scored one of the biggest goals in the organization's history, and he was he was tough as nails. Like he could he could throw. Oh, he was a lefty too, and it was jackhammer less. And you know, um, kind of fought a little bit like Terry O'Reilly. You know, Terry O'Reilly was one of those guys that just you know he'd swing from his knees, he'd swing from his from his ass. He didn't care. He was not going to stop throwing punches until their lines been pounced on you. But I, you know, it's funny. I, my first year away from home, I lived in Port Orgon, a town in Ontario my whole life. And then my family moved to Whitby. And I, at that time, went to Stratford to start playing hockey. So when I came back for the summertime, I didn't really know anybody there. And I just was working out a lot. So there was a, uh, the Whitby racquetball club and I would go there and work out. And there wasn't a lot of people in the gym all the time, but I was in there working out probably why I got in great shape because I had nothing else to do. But I kept seeing this guy the first few times that I was in there, and I'd look at him. He's got those eyes that just burn yes. right through. This is Kevin McClellan we're talking about. I'm looking over. I'm going, man, this guy, you know, he's kind of staring a hole in me over there from the corner. <laughs> and finally, we bumped into each other. We started chatting, and uh, I found out who it was. And, I, you know, obviously everybody was kind of an Oilers fan back there. You either hated the Oilers or you loved them because they were winning all the time. And you know what? I uh, We started chatting, and... You know, he, he's a terrific guy. You know what? But when you look back to when, when he, you know, was fighting, he was fighting everybody. You're right. I agree with Kevin Lowe. I, you look at how big, you know, Kevin McClellan was. He wasn't a huge guy, but he was just sinewy, and he, you know, he had that, you know, disposition that it didn't matter how big you were. I'm coming after you. I'm going to swing for the fences, and I don't care if I win or lose the fight, but I'm going to try and get my licks in there. And he was a good hockey player, too. He scored a huge goal for Edmonton, as you talked about. You know, one of the biggest goals in, in the history of the Oilers, you know, to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, that was a, a monumental goal. You hear a lot of the guys from that generation, they always bring up that goal and talk about that and how much of a, a team they were and how everybody had to chip in. And that was a massive goal in a one nothing game, I believe, right? Yeah. That was, that was a huge goal. So, you know, I, I love hearing those stories. I've heard them a hundred times, a thousand times, and I never get tired of listening to him because I just think it's part of our history as being in the hockey world, part of our history living here in Edmonton and being an oiler myself. Um, I, I love those stories. I, I, I kind of cut my teeth in the league listening to them and they never get old to me. But yeah, it was great to see Kevin, you know, and talk with him. He'll be there tonight as well. And just, you know, lots of different guys that, that came across. Glenn Anderson, you know, McTavish and Kelly Buckberger, two guys that I played with Jason my first Smith. year there were my line mates. Jason Smith was there, you know, you know always good to 
Henry's captain. always got got a smile on his face and just you know loves to be around the boys. And yeah, it was good. It was a great turnout. And you know, I like to see Evan Bouchard was there too. So good for Evan and Chris Russell for coming out. You know, guys that are current guys stepping in there. And uh, you know, Chris is from the area, not too far away. And you know what? Just it's always nice to have. You know, the current guys coming in, Dylan Dubé for the Flames came out, which was good to see him. Uh, I think that's so important to have the new, the old, and in-between um, and just uh, all come forth for a good event and for a great cause. Well, tonight, tonight, tonight is the toast of the town, and Kevin Lowe is being toasted, not roasted. Berkey uh, is going to be a part of uh, things tonight. Of course, Ron McLean. Uh, will be uh, the lead on this, and we'll be hearing from the likes of Glenn Sather and Craig Simpson and Glenn Anderson and Tim Hunter, to name a few. Uh, just your, uh, you know, when, when you think of Kevin Lowe, because you played with him uh, two different stints where Kevin yeah. Kevin yeah. was probably the captain when you came in, and then when he... Uh, he was. Right. When, I, when captain, I mentioned yeah. Kevin Lowe... Uh, I mean, we all know how incredible the, the fire and the passion that he has at times. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get it in practice one time from him or anything? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, it's funny. You know, he was an amazing captain, too. And I, I just remember and one, one of the stories, and I think we've talked about this maybe a few years ago, but, you know, I was a young guy, 20 years old, coming into the league and separated my shoulder in Vancouver one night. So I was out for, you know, three weeks or whatever. I knew I wasn't going to be playing for at least two weeks. And, you know, you're kind of like, what am I going to do? I'm just going to heal here. And Ken Lowe, who is Kevin's brother, was the the medical trainer at that time. And, um, you know, he would set times to come in and go do your treatment and come in. And, I, you know, I, I would just, I'd come in there kind of nonchalantly, 20 minutes late, 30 minutes late here, whatever. I'm thinking, no, it's not that important what time I get there because I'm not even in the rotation. So whatever. And he was fuming. He would get, he was getting more mad. and more, I didn't know this, but he was getting more mad and more mad. And I guess Kevin could pick it up on him one day. And he's like, what's going on? He goes, this freaking DeBrus kid keeps coming late for his treatment. So Kevin grabbed me one day. We had a little chat with Ken, Kevin, myself. And Kevin was out with an injury at the same time, but I believe it was a shoulder injury similar to mine. And uh, he goes, uh, you're coming with me today. You're training with me today. And he put me through a bag skate on the ice that was the hardest skate I ever had at that time. And then he said, we're not done. We're going in the gym afterwards. And we jumped on the bike and we did a 45-minute spin on this old Cybex machine where we, we must have done 30 sprints, you know, 45-second-long sprints simulating a shift. And it, it, I'd never ridden a bike like that in my life. Like, I just, we just, I didn't, hadn't done cardio up until that point in time. We didn't even have a gym in my junior rink in London for the three years that I spent in London. So, I mean, it was just foreign to me jumping on a stationary bike. But it was a real message to me as to how hard you had to work to keep yourself in shape to be ready to go when you were ready to come back in the lineup because you can't simulate that. It's impossible to simulate a game situation. It really is. You can work out as hard as you can, but when you jump on that ice for that first time, you're going to be sucking wind no matter what you do. But you can limit that or at least lessen that blow a little bit by being in extremely good shape. It was just a real good message from a veteran player that had won five Stanley Cups at that time. He went on to win a sixth in New York and come back. He finished his career with Edmonton. I got to play with him a second time. And, you know, like just to me, I'll never forget that. That was just, you know, an older guy grabbing a young guy that kind of needed to be put in the right direction. And that's why I have such a, a fondness for veteran players that do that with young players, because sometimes you need a kick in the butt. Sometimes you need to be pointed in the right direction. You know, Kevin Lowe didn't need that. Kevin Lowe was one of those guys that I'm sure maybe early in his career, he did get pushed in the right direction. That's where he learned that from. But he was always willing, even as a guy that was, 
you know, the captain of the team, a veteran player, he would take the time to make sure the other guys were in line. And that's what made him a great leader. And yeah, I have nothing but respect for him. And I'm, I'm happy that I got to cross paths with him twice as a player. And, and obviously he's bled the colors forever. He's the longest tenured, uh, um, player, coach, general manager in management that, that there has been. And he's bled the colors forever. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, you know, to me, never, never cared as to who he worked over. He he was he didn't he wasn't a spot picker. You know what I'm saying? It didn't matter if it was Bob Probert or yep. Bob Stoffer. He was going to cross check that guy in the back. And I I remember you know Guy Gadowski's <laughs> coaching at Penn State. We're playing for the Southside Athletic Club, and we were fortunate enough to go down to Northlands to watch a practice. And Kevin Lowe and Mark Messier were hammering the crap out of each other with their sticks in a cathedral. And I remember watch. I looked at Guy, and I'm like, Can you believe that? Like their oh, teammates, yeah. and they were like, and it was it was on, and and you know I mean I think that that's part of it that sometimes happens that maybe if you're not lucky enough to go down and watch it or observe it or you don't have a gut feel for it, you, like did you ever have that experience yourself, Louis, where there were a couple guys that they played with an incredible amount of intensity in practice because they were trying to apply what was taking place in practice into game-like situations. Well, you know what? It's it's also just part of the season too. Sometimes when you're not playing very well as a team, and think guys are just a little bit on edge, it just gets taken out in practice sometimes. And you know what? Having run in with teammates is common. It's it's not like it's you know there's you know in a in a workplace a normal workplace might be a verbal disagreement. It might be a little bit of an argument. But in our world, when we're on the ice, we've got sticks in our hands and skates, and it's a physical sport. It becomes a physical confrontation. And that's, you know, we, it's funny, we would laugh those off. You know, we, by the end of the practice, you, it was usually gone and done with. And if not, it was done with after, after the practice. And the next day you were laughing about it going, you know, you're lucky that it didn't go further because I would have kicked your ass. And he was saying the same thing. <laughs> like it was, but that was what made you, you know, elevate your game. Number one, as you spoke about with, with mess and, and Kevin going at it, it just, it just made sure you were accountable for what you were bringing to the table each and every day. And I saw, we saw a lot of those. And a lot of times we let that scrap go for a little bit. We didn't want to see anybody get hurt. So we let guys kind of vent for a period of time, and then we would always jump in. It was like, okay, it's time to get in. We had to kind of let them sort that out, though. Um, Martangel and I, and I got into it almost one day, and it was a real lesson again for me. I was a young guy again. It was in my second or third year. We were both not playing. We were working down low doing some one-on-one drills, and you know, he was obviously a lot better hockey player than me, and he was toe-dragging me and put it through my skates, and I was just getting more and more angry every time that he would do that to me. So I finally kind of gave him a cross check and said, you put it through my legs one more time. You're not going to like what happens. And he started laughing at me. So sure enough, what did he do the next time coming down? He put it through my legs and I kind of swung and I got a piece of the puck and it went into the far corner and I chased him into the corner and I rocked him. I hit him hard. And uh, he, <laughs> and he bounced up. He bounced up and he took my skates out from underneath me. And I, I swear I must have been parallel to the ice, about six feet off the ice, went slamming down to the ice, jumped back up again. And the gloves came off and we grabbed each other. And Marty was, you know, a good friend of mine. He used to drive me to the rink every day. And we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, we, we don't really want to do this. And we started laughing again. And I'm like, geez, you know, my elbow's kind of a little bit sore. And I, 
take my elbow pad off and I'm completely split wide open. Oh, I just wow. crushed my elbow on the ice, right? And uh, But that's a funny story. We talk about that all the time when we bump into each other. We laugh about that because but what it showed me again is exactly what you're talking about. Um, you know, I was a big tough guy, but Marty was fearless. He didn't care. You know, he, he was not, like, deterred by me one little bit. And that was a real message to me that the, the skilled guys in the game, especially back in that era and the era before that even more so, they had to stick up for themselves because they were taking a lot of punishment. They took a lot of punishment all the time. You could stick a lot more. You could grab a lot more. You could just, you know, manhandle people more than you can in the game today. And they had to find a way to be able to find space and find their time with the puck. And the only way you could do that was every once in a while, you were going to have to bite, not bark. And he was completely willing to bite, which it made me respect him even more. It made me respect him even more with the way that went down. Louie, we're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, it was great seeing you in Red Deer. And uh, this this is your last appearance on the show for the 2021 season. So rest up those vocal cords, and we'll work on that contract extension, okay? <laughs> Sounds good, Bob. Take care, Bob. We'll see you in a while. We'll see you tonight. Absolutely. That's uh, NHL Hockey and Rogers analyst Louis DeBrusque. It's 1256 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer with you. Along with Brendan Escott, I want to mention for you golfers out there, if you're looking, that's right, we're doing trips. A great VIP golf trip. You can join New West Travel on a four-day golf getaway in the spectacular mountains of Whistler, B.C. This package includes airfare and a private WestJet charter with complimentary open bar, meals, three nights in a deluxe suite hotel, four rounds of five-star golfing in the coastal mountains. There's also going to be a New West Travel golf tournament with prizing as well. All transfers can book now and get a free upgrade to a one-bedroom suite. To book your team time, call New West Travel or go online at newwesttravel.com. Of course, you can text us at any time. Uh, you can text us at 780-496-0063. KDK. It's one of those smarter texters to the show. Bob, let's talk about uh, this upcoming season. What are the Oilers going to do in goal? Uh... Even better than this, why don't we work? Uh, why not work with Anaheim and Buffalo to facilitate Eichel to Anaheim, Gibson to Edmonton, and future assets plus Koskinen to Buffalo? Uh, why start the season with a goalie Koskinen, who the organization have clearly tried to replace for two years in a row? Allow this team to grow throughout the season rather than find a way to adjust mid-year and with minimal salary restrictions. Anaheim could add Kessler. Uh, to the deal if the salary is an issue the owners are already using LTIR uh, so why not maximize the pool might need to take a look at John Gibson's contract uh, for what it's worth I love John Gibson three years ago I don't know if he's just gotten fatigued over the last couple of years um, and Jack Eichel that could be a risky proposition given some of the challenges he's had off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell and when we come back uh, tonight's main event on the toast of the town, Hall of Famer, Kevin Lowell, when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.